good morning. Wow. Okay. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. How are you doing today? It's all good, isn't it? Come on, stand up with me. God is good. We are going to praise His name this morning. And I want you to look around and see all those people that are praising with you. It is wonderful to be here because God is in the house today.
morning. We're thrilled that you're all here. We're all here to take our focus and to put it on Christ. To God be the glory. Amen. And that was a powerful song. Had to make a, had to make a point to say that. That's a powerful song. Thank you, band, for leading us in that powerful song as we glorify God this morning. We're, again, we're thrilled that you're all here. Welcome. Uh, all of our guests, please uh, do us a favor. It would be our honor uh, if you would stop by the Welcome Center. Before you leave, we have a gift for you. We'd love to talk with you. Um, it really would mean the world to us. So please stop by the Welcome Center before you leave. We have a gift for you as well. Um, so please, if you haven't had a chance to stop at the Welcome Center, even if you've been coming for a couple of weeks and haven't stopped by and you're one of our guests, please stop by. We'd love to talk with you and connect with you. And I also want to welcome our Crossroads family online joining us. We're thrilled that you're here with us this morning, too. Um, listen, church, uh, we're here under the banner of Jesus. And what that means is we're here to know God, right? To love God, and we're here to love others, and we're here to help other people grow, right? And so that's why we're here under the banner of Jesus. And so we're glad that you're all here. And this one thing that I want to share is in your bulletin, we have Trunk and Tree coming up on October 25th. And in your bulletin is this little handout. It's a little piece of paper. And basically, this is a way uh, for you to, uh, this is for you, a way for you to love others. You know what I mean? This is a great way to be involved with a tremendous, uh, not just event that we do here at Crossroads, but a tremendous time where we as a church family lock arms and put on this awesome night and we tell everybody to come on up. We tell them, bring your families. All these kids come up and we hand out candy. We serve hot dogs and hot chocolate and people come up to this church and it is an awesome evening. And so Trunk and Treat uh, is the 25th, and uh, I encourage you to sign your kids up and make your way through all the trunks um, as a family. Uh, but if you would also like to serve and to be a part of the team that helps put this on in your bullets and grab that piece of paper, uh, you can help with parking. Again, there's a lot of cars, and so we want them to have a great experience, and we want them to feel like there's a level of hospitality here. So if you'd like to help out parking, you can check that off for concessions. Uh, helping grill hot dogs, hand out hot dogs, help out, yeah, right, helping help with hot dogs, I like that. Um, hot chocolate, maybe just like the hot dogs, I don't know, I like the hot dogs too. Um, but help also to, to help decorate your trunk. So uh, we're, we're, doing, we're doing really well, people are signing up to help out with trunks and to help out with this night, so I encourage you, um, if you'd like to bring your car and decorate it, hand out candy, um, you can check the trunk. Uh, um, part on here and then put this in the offering box as you leave or you can give it to the people at the welcome center and they will make sure it gets to the right spot 
And then listen, we're going to have an informational meeting on the 22nd, so that's Sunday right before Trunk and Treat, and we'll talk about details, schedule, and answer any questions, and most importantly, we're going to pray as a church, um, because we want this to be a great experience for people, and we want people to come up to this church and go, why? Why do they do this and wonder why? And they'll be pointed to Jesus. So that's Trunk and Treat on the 25th, and then uh, I want to encourage you, you've got... Um, Ernie, we have Ernie Haas coming on the 5th, 14th and 15th of December, so that's just mark your calendars. And then we have Wednesday nights that jumped up uh, last couple weeks, and so please come on out on Wednesday night. Men's and women's studies, we also have kids and youth, and so it's been a great time. 6.30 every Wednesday, looking forward to seeing you all there. Church, as we continue on this morning in worship, would you stand with me here in the house this morning as we continue to just sing and lift up the name of Jesus um, I want to say thank you for being faithful and giving and to the Lord. You can give online through the mail or using the offering boxes here in the church. Um, but man, it's, it's so good to be with you. It's so good to worship the Lord with you all this morning. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for, for being our everything. And Lord, we, uh, we just want to declare you as the, the most important thing in our life. God, as, as everything is pulling and, and distracting us and trying to get our focus and our attention, um, we thank you for your grace because we know that we allow things to steal us away from you. Um, but God, right now, I pray it would be like a, a, be a recalibrating, it would be a refocusing on, on you. And so, Lord, we thank you for everyone that's here. And uh, as we open up the Bible here in a few minutes, um, God, we're going to focus on your truth. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to guide us. Keep our ears open, keep our eyes open, Lord, just keep our hearts open to what you would teach us this morning, God. It's all for your honor and praise, in Jesus' name, amen.
rescued my soul to the one who has welcomed me home to the one who is savior of all I sing forever Share some good news with you guys. turned out to be a lemon. Anybody ever do that? You know, isn't that, isn't that just, that is the worst feeling in life, is it not? You're like so, so upset. Have you ever bought something from a salesman and it just didn't produce? Like, you know, the salesman says, you know, if you buy this, this will change your whole world. You buy it and, and you go home and there's nothing to it, right? Uh, how about political campaigns that promised more than, you do, than they could deliver? Has that ever happened in our world? Okay, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. Have you ever been ripped off? you ever been ripped off by something? Like, I mean, people get ripped off all the time. Uh, these things can get overwhelming as you start looking at them and you start to say, man, how do I respond to that? What, what happens whenever these things happen? If you look in the Bible, there was plenty of raw deals. There was all kind of raw deals that happened in the Scripture. And how do people respond to them? We look at David and a guy named Saul. David was supposed to be the next king. God said, you're going to be the king. And Saul, the sitting king, said, man, I am not into this, and I do not like, Saul. I do not like David. And he started throwing spears at him. Like, I mean, how do, you, how do you handle life like that? Esau cheated Jacob. Uh, Esau was cheated by Jacob for the, uh, for the birthright. And so he, he lost all... All this incredible birthright. The guy came in and faked like he was his brother to, to get something from his dad. Uh, Joseph. Oh, man, you go and read the story of Joseph. What a story. I mean, the guy, Joseph, was just, he was rejected. He was uh, betrayed by his brothers. Uh, 17-year-long history before they end up coming back together. But it's like, well, how do you handle these raw deals? <clears throat> and sometimes in our life, you know, there are small things that happen. There are some big things that happen. And when the bigger things happen, it's really challenging, isn't it? Like when somebody slanders you, when somebody comes against your name, when somebody deals with you, maybe they gossip about you, maybe they threaten you, uh, they threaten your livelihood. These things can get a little bit nasty. And so what can happen is there's a couple knee-jerk reactions that we can have, and, uh, and they're, they're, they're only natural knee-jerk reactions, right? Number one, when somebody hurts you, what do you typically want to do? You're going to hurt them back, right? 
That's exactly what you do. I, I, have, I have an instinct. If you hit me, I hit you back. It's like, boom, right? Whenever you were a kid and you come home from school and you got somebody punched you, well, I know they don't do that anymore, but when I was a kid, you got punched in school and you come home, what did my dad tell me? Punch them back. So it was a natural revenge thing, right? So that's, that's a natural point of aggression. Uh, there's also the passive uh, 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 what pattern of dealing with it. You can become pitiful. You become just so, oh, woe is me. I'm so sorry. You know, and it's all about you again. Or you can become in a holding pattern and you just kind of postpone those emotions. How do you deal with this? Because you've been hurt. Something has come against you and you're, you're experiencing suffering. And when you experience the suffering, these are the ways that we deal with them naturally and humanly. But as we look in our passage this morning, we're going to see a group of people that dealt with suffering. And Peter tells them to deal with it much more than naturally and human. Uh, you know, those three things that I just suggested for you of, of ways that people deal with things, yeah, those are natural. Those are the human ways. Peter's going to give us a supernatural way to deal with things. And I'm going to tell you right off here today that this is one of the hardest topics, I think, in the Bible. For the next three weeks, it's one of the hardest topics in the Bible that we've studied. And as a matter of fact, we kind of reference them sometime, but rarely do we give a whole devoted day about these topics here. And before I lead up to what that topic is here, I want to give you the background, what, what Peter does. Well, I'll give you the topic. It's the word submit. Nobody likes that word. Submit is a scary word, isn't it? Oh, no. What's he going to talk about? Submission. What does this mean? Okay, we talked a few weeks ago, Jesus is the cornerstone. And we said with Jesus being the cornerstone, he loves us. He gave himself for us. We are buildings in the stone built upon Jesus Christ. Therefore, we submit to the cornerstone. And when we submit to that cornerstone, that means I have to make some changes in my life. That means there's, there's things that will, there's a higher authority. I'm not the authority of my life anymore. And I realize to our world right now, that's a very foreign thought. To most people in our world, you say, whoa, what do you mean I'm not the authority in my life? Well, if you are a Christ follower, it's no longer about you. It's about Jesus. As a Christ follower, he is the authority, and so the submission. So, so I want you to catch this, because in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, the apostle Peter here, he goes through a long story there in, in chapter 2, and he gives them the doctrine. I mean, he's just given them this, chapter 1, all about the hope that we have in Christ. He's given them the hope in who Jesus is. We have the living word, the living hope. And then he moves down, and then he's, he, he continues to talk talks about this cornerstone. He says, you were once a people. Uh, you once were not a people. Now you are a people. You're a holy nation. You're set apart unto God. So, so there's, there's a change that's occurred. Um, you are now set apart unto God. And you have this affinity with the people of God. And so with the people of God, we come together. And what do we do? We submit to God. This morning, we sang all these songs because of who God is. You know, I love when we gather and we sing. The reason that we sing first is because I want you to think about who Jesus is and worship and adore him for his greatness before we look into his word and find out more about his greatness and more about what he wants us to do. And so here's the deal. Theology, that's the study of God, right? You've got to have an understanding of who God is before you can get the practical things of the scripture. Like, there are so many things in the Scripture. If you don't understand who God is, then when I tell you that there, God wants you to do this from the Scripture, you get mad because you don't understand who God is. If you just hear something in the Scripture says, okay, you must submit, you go, hmm, I'm not submitting to nobody. I'm an American. And that's what we do, right? I mean, that's honestly what we do, right? We don't submit. And as a matter of fact, the passage is going to teach us differently here. You see, Jesus walked in to the fiery furnace of the cross, and he paid the price for your sin. And when he did that, once for all forever, he changed the whole world. He was buried, and he rose again, and he did it. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. you got to catch that. And then Peter moves in, and we'll pick up in verse 11 here. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles... To abstain from the passions of the flesh which, war, which wage war against your soul. He's saying, man, just remember your exiles, your running, and your citizenship is not here, but it is in heaven. 
And last week, Pastor Luke did a good job of sharing those two verses. And we looked here at Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven. Let's read this together. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, our citizenship is in heaven. So the word citizenship in the Greek, it's the same word from which we get the word politics. Hmm. Politimimo, and I'm not even good at pronouncing that stuff. But basically what Paul is saying is you have the politics of heaven. You don't have the politics of this earth. As exiles, as sojourners, guess what? You have the politics of heaven. You have a different set of rules. You know, whenever I go overseas to Ecuador, it's always fun. I have to have my passport with me. And those countries have rules. And if I don't abide by those rules, they take care of that, right? So uh, I go into, if you don't have a passport, you don't get in. I felt terrible this year. One of our young ladies, she went to the airport with us, and she had her passport. The passport was had five months left before it expired. And what we didn't know was that in Ecuador, you have to have a a passport that has at least six months or more left before it expires. So they wouldn't let her get on the plane. Here in D.C., they wouldn't let her get on the plane. I said, I said, all right, I'll take care of this. (laughs) I'm the pastor. Sir, it doesn't matter. I said, this girl has raised money for a year. You don't understand. I'm like crying. I'm shaking. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And the lady looks at me and goes, sir, the government of Ecuador says you must have this requirement. It does not meet the requirement. So in good Christian fashion, I did not cuss. But in good Christian fashion, I just said, okay, we'll deal with this. And I mean, like, I gave her like a 10-minute speech as to why we should change that rule and as to why this was not good. And I had a massive situation on our hands. A young girl, she had to come home, um, 19 years old. But I'll tell you what, let me tell you, the government of Ecuador had a different set of rules than I have here. And so what happens is we've got to understand in the world that we're living right now, you have a different set of rules. Your rules are the rules of heaven. Your politics are the politics of heaven, not the politics of the United States, not the politics of Ecuador, not the politics of any human government. We have something that's a little bit higher. It's the politics of heaven. And so he lays this down. And, folks, I want you to catch this because Christianity changes your status you know like i'm an american yeah i have an american passport either american or not you have a u.s passport or you don't and being a christ follower either you're a christ follower or you're not and once you become a christ follower it means that you have a different set of politics it's the politics of heaven Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Whenever you have this inward purity, it will produce an outward uh, quality that will be desirable and people will be attracted to our God. Picking up here in verse 13 this morning, be subject. In other words, submit. Now, this is where it gets hard. Be subject. Submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. So the first thing I'm going to give you in your notes this morning is this, is that God has called us to live as free servants of God. Live as a free servant of God. Would you say that with me? Live as free servants of God. Now, that's kind of a loaded statement, isn't it? Live as a free servant of God. Servants typically weren't free. He says in the passage here to live as free and to live as a servant of God. So we're going to look at that. And So what he does here, he says this. He says the word submit 
Uh, I want you to catch this because in verse 13, he says, Be subject or submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. That word subject, that word submit there, is a Greek word that means to arrange in orderly fashion a group of soldiers under the ranking command of officers. So in other words, in the military, when the, when the officer comes in and he says, you know, everybody line up, boom, everybody lines up, right? They're submitting to the authority. This is the way it's going to be. They don't get the question and say, do I like the authority? They submit to the authority. And our military men and women in here, we applaud you and we thank you for your service to our country. But you can understand exactly what I'm talking about, can't you? You understand that, man, when, when, it comes, when push comes to shove, when that, when that commanding officer comes in, you submit to the authority. Not because you felt like it, not because of any other reason outside of the fact that he's the authority. And you did what the man said to do. Um, it speaks of voluntary cooperation. Uh, and so in this passage, he's talking about this voluntary cooperation, uh, helping somebody carry a load. In other words, we are we're not to be known as troublemakers in our world, but we are to be known as the model citizens. And this is really challenging, is it not? Like in the world that we're living in, it can become challenging. So I want to take you back to where Peter was writing. Peter is in 60 A.D., and he's writing to people that have been dispersed, and they're, they're, they're running from this guy named Nero. Nero was one of the Caesars. And if you go and you look at history, there were a series of three Caesars that were incredibly bad Caesars. Uh, Caesars were the, the ruler of Rome. And so these Caesars were, were in charge, and they're ruling the empire. Let me go back here to uh, Caligula. Caligula was the very first of the three Caesars. Caligula was really unfit to be a leader. He was unfit. As a matter of fact, he couldn't, I don't think he could handle a pet, yet alone an empire. Shortly after becoming Caesar, he and his mom uh, and brother, he had his mom and brother killed to make sure that there was no threat or challenge to his throne. He would frequently do uh, immoral acts, and it was extremely clearly known of his sexual immoral acts that were uh, actually nasty and gross. He, he installed his favorite horse as a senator. How'd you like that? Have a horse for a senator. I don't know, all in favor, aye. All opposed, nay, you know. <laughs> Caligula once got mad at the weather and he declared war on Neptune, the Roman god of the sea. And so what did he do? He sent out his, his forces. They went out and they had to go into the waves with whips and they were to supposedly... Declare victory over Neptune with their whips. Bring home seashells to symbolize them taking the plunder. Uh, he had the heads of statues and deities removed. He replaced them with a bust of his own face. Um, after this, you had the, the next leader, the next Caesar. His name was Claudius. And he was just a hair, hair less crazy. Uh, however, he handed over the throne. Actually, he was given the throne by his mother, uh, when I say handed over, I mean that the throne was handed over because Nero's mom killed Claudius in his sleep so that her son could replace him. Uh, Nero turned out to be the worst of the three. Nero was one of the most cruelest, most sadistic Christian haters of all time. He intentionally set Rome, to, uh, set Rome on fire, and the, uh, the, as history tells us that he was sitting on his balcony playing the harp as the city was set on fire. And so what does he do? He ends up blaming the Christians on it. And he rounds up the Christians and he feeds them to the lions. And I've even read that not only did he feed them to the lions, he would, he would capture them, he would cover them in tar, and then he would light them as candles for his evening sporting events. I mean, this remember, there was no electricity, so what do you need? You need a Christian. Go light them up. And this is what would happen. It was, a, it was a severely fierce thing. This is the emperor that Peter is talking about whenever he says, I want you to submit to the authorities. I want you to submit to the emperor and the governor. And it's very interesting. Uh, Tim Keller, I like what Tim Keller says on this. Author Tim Keller, he says, The increasingly secular West is only just beginning to experience the level of hostility that first century believers faced. The 21st century persecuted church 
experiences, experiences it every day. It is this type of state which the apostles tell the Christians to submit to. Peter's telling, and Paul also backed it up, they, they tell them to submit to the local authorities. Now, he's not telling them that you have to like the local authorities. He's not even telling them that you must agree with the local authorities. He says you must submit. And submit, uh, submitting to earthly authority makes you, um, uh, when we don't submit to earthly authority, we don't submit to our heavenly authority. See, God placed these governments here. Now, okay, there's corrupt governments. How do we handle this? Why would Peter tell them to submit to, this, to these people? And let me tell you, there, there's things that we submit on, and then there's things that we don't submit on. As a matter of fact, we see this history all throughout the Bible of submitting to the government because God ordained and placed it there, and we're going to come back to that thought in just a moment. But with the, the institution has been ordained, and while there's corrupt people there, we see people in the scriptures that had to say, no, I'm not going to submit whenever my higher authority has a higher plan and a higher purpose. So in other words, I'm submitting to the things of God. I'm submitting to the local government. But all of a sudden, the local government tells me to do something that is against God. Then I have to say no. Look, uh, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 17, there was a situation uh, in the member of the Israelites. They would start out as a slave people to the, to the Egyptians. And Pharaoh was going to kill. He was killing all the newborn baby males, two years and under. And so he told the midwives, he says, when a, baby born is, when a baby boy is born, you throw him in the river. Get rid of him. And look what the midwives did here. But the midwives feared God. And they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them. But they let the boys live. And so God honored them. And as you continue to read there, you see that God blessed them and God gave them favor. Over in the book of Daniel, we read the story of Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. Daniel stood up for God, man. Daniel was held under the Babylonian captivity. Uh, the, uh, Israel had been taken ca uh, captive, so they, he was deported from the land of Israel to Babylon. He was one of the wisest people. He was interpreting dreams for the king. But look what happened here. He was, uh, they said, We're gonna, we want you to eat all these certain foods. And he wouldn't eat those foods because in the Jewish custom, the Jewish law of their worship, they had kosher meals. And the kosher meals were all about worship to their God. So what does Daniel do here? Verse 8, Daniel 1.8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief and the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief. And so here's what happens. He purposed in his heart. He said, I'm going to obey God more than I will obey man. But we must obey man until man says to disobey God. And this is where we have to, we have to run our life. Like man is going to tell us this. So I'm going to obey these human governments. And then I'm going to say, okay, when that human government draws the line, I can no longer do that. I have to obey God more than I have to obey the government. Daniel 3.18 says, But if not, let it be known to you, O kings, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. They were threatened. God, Daniel was threatened. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men were threatened. It says, If you don't worship our God, if you don't come out, and there was a public time and they made this decrees that you got to come out and worship. If you don't do this, we're going to throw you into the lion's den. They end up in the lion's den and God protects them through the lion's den. Now, that's not always the story. Sometimes people give their life for obedience. Here God protected their life for obedience. But they were obeying God. Over in Daniel chapter 6, again, Nebuchadnezzar was Adam, and Nebuchadnezzar passes another decree. The word gets back that Daniel's praying three times a day. Daniel's praying with his window open, and people can see him praying. Now, what would you and I do? Oh, I'll just pray. I'll put the blind down. I'll keep praying, right? 
Daniel goes back and he continues to pray. And he says, I am not going to hide my faith. I am not going to disobey God in order to obey man. Look what happens in Daniel 6.10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its window open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Giving thanks to God. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 19, we see in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we see Peter and John answered to them. Now, this was an interesting thing. Peter and John have been preaching the gospel. They come, the authorities come and say, you've got to stop preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. You are illegal. You cannot do this. And he says, (laughs) Peter and John answer him and says, well, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot but help. We can't help but speak the things that we've seen and heard of Jesus Christ. As we look into modern history, we see that there's times that people have to disobey the government. We see uh, uh, under Adolf Hitler, Christians obeyed as much as they could. And then Christians had to take a stand. One of them was known as Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You also hear me quote from time to time, Corey Ten Boom. These people took a stand for God. And, folks, there comes a time when we, we honor the government as much as we can. But when the government asks us to, to dishonor God, the line is drawn. Uh, Peter tells us a few things here about submission to rulers. I want you to catch this. Number one, he says in verse 17, he says to honor the emperors. So, number one, I want to encourage you, honor the, honor your leaders. We do this with respect, all right? When we're honoring the government, we always do this with respect. Always do that with respect. First uh, Timothy chapter 2 tells us to pray for our leaders. Pray for the kings and the governors. I want to ask you a question, as much as it's a politically charged world that we live in, when was the last time that you prayed for the current president of the United States? When was the last time you prayed for the local officials in your community? First Timothy 2 says that we're to do this that we may live a peaceful and quiet life. I know many people that have gotten politically charged, politically um, sparked and heated, but haven't once prayed for the President of the United States. I'm thankful that we live in a country where the President is only there for four years at a time. Uh, Could you imagine if we lived in one of these dictatorships where it's 30 years like that? Uh, There's things that we disagree with massively. But I'll tell you what, we come and our job is to respect. He says to honor the emperor, respect them. That's what Peter does here. He recognizes God has established the government and, and and these policies that God has established the government. Now, not all their policies are from God. I'll just be honest with you. Many of the policies are corrupt. Many of the policies are far away from God. And we've been very fortunate, folks. We have lived in a, in a Christian nation for the last several hundred years. The, uh, the Bible has been what, what our culture was built on. The Bible, our government looked at the Ten Commandments as a basis for law. And so we're living in a world now where they're taking the Ten Commandments out and they're saying God has no authority. And and here's why the political environment is so heated and charged today, folks. If you don't have a higher authority, if God is not your higher authority, your government is your highest authority. And therefore, you lose your mind when they're wrong. Folks, I think we as believers ought to get on our knees and thank God that we have a higher authority than the United States government. Amen? Man, let's thank God for that this morning. We have a higher authority. God has given us an authority. And so when I live my life, I'm not living my life hoping that, you know, I don't offend the U.S. government. I'm living my life praying that I please and honor God. Why? Because this word submit, I'm submitting to God. Jesus died for me. He died on the cross. He submitted to the cross. And because he submitted to the cross, now I can submit to him and live for him. Verse 16 says that we are to live as people who are free. So to live as free, I want to encourage you, live as free people. We're called to be free people. 
Um, as Christians, we're not under the authority of the government. We're under the authority of God. Yet he encourages us to submit to the authority of the government. Um, number three, we see here submitting in authority. By submitting in authority, we never disobey God. So we submit to the, to the laws of the land, but we never disobey God. And folks, I realize we're living in a world right now where soon that infringement is going to come on the church. And I want you to know that as long as I'm your pastor, this will be the authority right here. This will be the authority. We will always, and that we, I'm doing my best to plant the seeds of that for the next generation. I want the young kids that are coming out of this church to have Jesus Christ as the authority of their lives. Amen? And that's why, listen, when Jesus Christ is the authority, it outlasts everything else. But there's going to come a time when the government's going to come in and say, Okay, Pastor Ken and uh, Crossroads, you, don't, you teach that Jesus is the only way. We disagree with that. You're no longer tax exempt. Okay. No problem. We'll do whatever we have to do. We'll pay the tax. We'll do whatever it takes. There's going to be a day whenever they come and they say, okay, if you don't do these things by the laws that we have passed, then you are considered bad, you're considered hate, and therefore we are going to lock you up. Bring on the cuffs. You know why? Jesus Christ is my authority. And I say that very delicately. I say it very responsibly because I don't want to go in cuffs. But I see Peter did. I see Paul did. And if I'm going, you're coming with me, so just relax. <laughs> I say, they told me it was the book they gave me, right? No. Listen, I'm just telling you like it is. Our government one day is going to tell us that you've got to disrespect God. And right now, you're hearing it brewing out there. And this is why the political environment is so heated and charged right now. But let me tell you, our job is to pray for that president right now. What? Our job is to pray for that governor. Oh. Our job is to pray for that mayor. Our job is to pray for the local officials right here in this little town. That's our job to do. And so as I do that, I honor them, but I, I have got to never disobey God. And then he says to honor the emperors. Honor the emperors. And when we honor the emperors, that does not mean that we don't speak out against evil. Folks, uh, I, again, I thank God that we have the rights that we do in our country, that we can speak out. But always speak out in love. I, I want you to catch this. Honor everyone. He says that we're to honor everyone. Verse 17 is such a key to that whole passage to me. Honor everyone. Listen, I'm following the commands of God. I'm not to be ignorant to those who don't. If you don't follow the commands of God, I love you just the same. And as, if you're not ready to submit your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to start to submit it to him because there is coming a day when Jesus Christ is returning and there will be no more time to change. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to submit your ways to the Lord. Jesus died on the cross. He gave the ultimate sacrifice and I can't submit my ways to the Lord. Honor the emperors. Do not, do not preclude, does not preclude speaking out against evil. Now, why does he say to do this? Verse 15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, catch this. By, it's God's will. So, this is God's will, that we be model citizens. This means when I'm driving on Route 43, and it says 70, and this is what I do. I get it up to 70, and then I look in the mirror, check that rearview mirror, I don't see any Smokies out there, Boom! and I get going, don't you? <laughs> now, you all can relate to that. Some of you don't even look, and you just pay for it later. I'm the honor of the government. I'm to honor the rules that, that God has put us before us. I'm to pay my tax. I'm to pay my tax, for this is the will of God. How many enjoy paying tax? 
man, I don't see anybody out there. Um, neither do I. I read about one guy. He, he, uh, he read a letter to the IRS. He says, uh, Dear sirs, I cannot sleep. Last year when I filed my income tax return, I deliberately represented my in- misrepresented my income. Now I can't sleep. Enclosed is a check for $150. If I still can't sleep, I'll send in the rest. <laughs> Listen, we struggle, don't we? We struggle to honor the local authorities, our national authorities. And imagine if you were in other parts of the world, how much harder it would be to do that. But look what he says here. It is the will of God that by doing good, by doing this, by being honorable citizens, you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. And the word silence is the same word that's used for muzzle. And what it means here is like to silence somebody who's guilty. To silence those who are not coming from Christ. It's not out of ignorance to them. Listen, if somebody's coming against you, here's what was happening in that day. And I'm going to wrap up here in just a minute. We have two baptisms this morning. Isn't that exciting, folks? Let's praise God for that. Thanks be to God, right? So as, as I'm looking here in the Scripture, he says that uh, says we're to do this to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. Do you understand what was happening in that day? They were saying, oh, those Christians, they don't like the government. Those Christians burnt down Rome. Those Christians serve a different king. Those Christians, they are trying to overthrow the government. And that was the word about Christians of that day. And Peter says, I know Nero is messing with you. But you obey and you honor and you do their little rules as much as you can. But don't you ever disobey the rules of God. For this is God's will. Many people ask me, what is God's will for your life? Here's one of the times that it says this is God's will. This is God's will. We live as good citizens. Go out. We get involved politically. I understand that. You're going to make change. Thank God we live in a system where these things are open and opportunity. And I encourage that. But let me tell you right now. He says, by living as good citizens, we will put to silence the opposition. And let me tell you why we do that. Because I want them to hear the greatest news ever. That Jesus died on the cross. And that he was buried. And that he rose again. And if you trust him, he'll transform your life. And they can't hear it when they're not silent. Oh, when we're out in a heated debate, we're going on about red, blue, black, and brown. All that stuff out there. Yellow, green, whatever. Whatever political colors they come up with out there. Let me tell you right now. The world needs to hear something about the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did to transform lives. And folks, if we're going to change the world, the world will never be changed by changing the government. It's going to be changed by starting with you. And you submit to the authority of God. And we take our friends and we take our family and say, you know about the good news of Jesus Christ, and let's go do it. Amen? Let's close in prayer as we prepare for our baptisms this morning. What a powerful thought from the scripture here. We're called to submit. It's it's not easy. Folks, I'm preaching to myself. Somebody last night asked me on the way out, said, were you preaching to me? I said, no, it's preaching to me. And God God has to do this for us. And God has to teach us um, to, to do that. How to come to Christ. How to submit. And as we submit to him first, that's why Peter talked in the order that he did. He didn't just give you some random thing about obeying the government. He says, man, I want you to submit. We're going to continue on in the next few weeks to talk about submitting and what this means. And, and how. what else does Peter say? What other areas of life are we to submit in? Father God, thank you, Lord, most of all for Jesus Christ. Thank you that you died on the cross and that you paid for our sin and that you rose again. And, Lord, you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. So, Lord, right there, we submit to you. Jesus is Lord. God, thank you this morning that I can submit to you that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God. Lord, I pray in this room this morning that you will allow all of us to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. That you are the Lord. That you died. You rose again. 
I can't get to heaven without you, Lord. So, Father, if there's anyone in this room this morning that needs to, to come to you, I pray that they will come to you now. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you to submit to Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe that's you. Just pray a prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, I come before you this morning, and I give you my life. You are God, and I'm a sinner, and I need you to be my Savior. You died on the cross, you were buried, and you rose again. And God, I invite you into my heart and soul right now. I submit to you, Jesus is the Lord of my life. Father, be with each one as they make decisions today, and be with each believer, Lord, as we grow in this area.